Welcome to the Olive Tree Podcast channel. Whether you're listening from our beloved Durban, South Africa, or from further away, we trust that you would feel welcome and included in what God is doing in our community, and that you feel inspired by today's message. Good morning, and uh, welcome. Happy Valentine's Day. It's like highs and lows this week. It's Valentine's Day, but it's at about 95% humidity, so you have to like swim to work. And uh, it's, it's been the vaccine failed to launch, but uh, we also had the Israeli pill. 30 out of 30 people treated, and it went well. And I don't know about you, but I personally am amped for a pill, not a vaccine, but we're not going to get into that. But anyway, that's happened. Everyone's after their former presidents. Ours to get the money back. America, not sure, just impeach him. It's just ups and downs, ups and downs. And so what I thought I would do is I would minister a word that will hopefully take you from a down to an up. And uh, what I'm going to speak about is I'm going to speak about making your life or putting your life into the purposes of God. But to kind of get you into the thinking of it, if you missed um, the beginning of this series, we, we started this entire series off with a prophetic word. We said, Many are the plans of a man's heart, but it's God's purposes that will prevail. Many are the plans of a man's heart, but it's God's purposes that will prevail. And here was the, the big idea when we started, and we called it Take Two. We said, imagine that during this year, imagine you could take all the learnings from last year and all the plans that you made that didn't work and all the thinking and all the good ideas, and imagine you could take all of those And instead of make your own plans again, imagine you could take them and you could put them slap bang into the middle of God's purposes for your life. Because the truth is, you can come up with great ideas, great plans, but God's purposes are going to win in the end. And so what we decided to do is we decided we were going to do a series about getting your plans into God's purposes. But what I found throughout life is that whenever I speak to someone about God's plans for their lives. They come to me and they say, I want to know what God's plans for for my life are. I've realized, and I've spoken about this before, but I've realized that when they come to me with that, what they're talking about is they're talking about a few small things. They're talking about where they should live. Should I live in New York if you're young, or should I go to London when Travel opens up, where can I go and live? And as you get older and older, you, you kind of go as a Durban North and Shlunga or Belita. This is what happens with God's plan for my life. It's about where I live. It's about what I do. Should I go into construction? Where should I work? Where, should I become a teacher? What should I do? A policeman. What am I going to do as God's plan for my life? It's about... What kind of car should I drive? Should I drive a bulldozer or a Ferrari? Like, where does God want me to buy my car from? And how many kids should I have? When you're younger, it's, who's the spouse that God has for me? So we'll just put those down. Who's, Who's the person that God has for me? And as you get older, it's, how many kids should I have? Two, is two enough? Are there really too many kids in the world? How many of these little guys should I have? And as you get older, you go... Man, am I ever going to be retired because little Johnny won't leave the house. Fortunately, Sam went away. This is the stuff that we pray about when we're praying about what God's plan for our lives are. The trouble is that when God speaks about his plan for your life, he's not talking about where you should live, 
how many kids you should have, what cars you should drive, and what you should do. What he's talking about is the box. He's talking about making disciples. He's talking about manifesting the kingdom, which is making what Jesus made come about, heaven come to the earth. He's talking about building his church. And above all, he's talking about you becoming like Jesus. When God's thinking, I want them to know my plan for for their lives, this is what he's talking about. And here's what God wants us to do. He wants us to take where we live and put it into his box. He, He wants us to take what we should do and put it into his purposes. He wants us to take the cars we drive and go, how does that serve God's purposes? He wants us to take the plans we have for how many kids we're going to have, who we're going to marry, and put it into the purposes of God because he knows that if we put all that stuff into his purposes, they will prevail. And here was the big idea. I believe if we can move all the stuff into his purposes... I believe we may have the best year of our lives. So this is how the series began. And then as we started getting through the series and we spoke about different aspects about his purposes for our lives, us being in community, which is building the church, I got to think about this and I thought, what is the one thing, if you get the, this one thing right, what is the one thing that is going to... is more likely to bring you into the box than any other thing? What is the one thing? And as I was thinking through it, I realized, becoming like Jesus, yes, we want to do that. All of these things, we want to do that. But what I have found is that when people make this one thing, reaching the lost and making disciples, when they make that one thing a priority in their lives, I don't know why, I don't fully understand, but everything else seems to follow. So today, I'm going to talk about you reaching the lost. And we've got Alpha coming up, so you've got a next step. But I didn't want to preach to you about how you reach the lost. In fact, what I decided to do is I decided to get two people to tell their stories. One is a friend of mine. The other is the Apostle John. So we're going to listen to both of these guys tell their stories about how they make disciples. And after that, I'm going to hopefully inject life into you. So watch this. Dave, you, um, you naturally seem to evangelize people. So I want you to start off by just telling us like a bizarre story about how you told someone about Christ. It was a couple of years ago, actually. I was at a conference uh, when conferences were still a thing, like people conferences. And um, during the day, the whole day, I just felt Holy Spirit say, tell the guest speaker was a CEO of a big corporation. Um, who actually shelled is in our business at the time, uh, represent them. And I just felt God say, tell Ian about me the whole day, which is, you know, not that uh, comfortable. Um, anyway, after the conference, I went up, and we, it was in the same area as the hotel we're staying in, and I got dressed. And as I came down the escalator at the cocktail thing before the dinner, there he was standing by himself, which is totally unusual. Normally he's got a whole crew of people wanting some of his time. He was standing by himself with the drink. I went up to him and just started a conversation and then just said to me, and I know this sounds weird and it will be the weirdest thing you hear all day, <laughs> but um, God's been telling me that he wants me to tell you about him. And I did. I told him that God loves him and he, I gave him a bit of a story how he changed my life. And uh, I, 
I don't think he would ever have forgotten that. It was so out of context. Yeah. I mean, he would have had business discussions all day. Yeah. And all night he would have had many more. But he wouldn't have forgotten that one. Yeah. Did anything happen? You didn't pray a sinner's prayer at the end? No. <laughs> I planted the seed. Very good. And who knows what, what God's done with that. Yeah. Talk to us about um, the motivation. and Because lots of people see... Uh, telling someone about Jesus, a pressure point. But that's not the case for you. Just yeah. talk to us about how it all works for you. I don't, I don't, about the pressure side of it, I don't necessarily see it as being pressure for me. I don't set targets on myself. Um, I, I find I can go for days without talking about Jesus to someone, or even weeks. But then all of a sudden, I get the opportunity, two or three a day sometimes. Um, and... And what I do once, when I build my relationships, I allow trust to form. Um, so I don't also put pressure on the timelines of that. Yes, I've had some times, like I told you at the end, where the Holy Spirit really says, look, tell this person now. But I find generally it's really just finding opportunities for that. Um, and, and it takes the pressure off myself then. And, uh, yeah, I, I find then because trust is formed, whenever I get an opportunity to, to tell them about Jesus, and it's often triggered off the back of an event, often. You know, perhaps a trouble at, at work or in the business, uh, maybe a life change, a relationship hurt. Um, I just get a chance to sow into their lives like that, yeah. Okay, so let's just dive in there because uh, recently you were on a, a surf trip with one of your, your daughter's boyfriend and you spoke to him about Jesus. Tell us, like, how it happens for you that you start a conversation with someone about Jesus. Um, it may or may not have been on a, on a legal surf trip during lockdown, um, but I did have the, because I had an opportunity for a long trip, you know, just to, because it's nice to get away from the city. And, uh, and yeah, he was sitting in there, my daughter's boyfriend, I just thought, you know, this is a great opportunity. I've got an hour in the car with him. And um, without press-ganging him, I, we just got, got to have a really good discussion about Jesus. It became... Yes, almost like Alpha 101. Um, but I got him to finally agree that he either has to decide if, if Jesus was a madman or the son of God. And he's making that call now as we speak. And how, does it normally start like that, long trips? No. It's, I, I don't think there's been one common start. I think every time I've, had, I've been able to tell someone about Christ, it's been unique. And I think that's, in a sense, why I don't feel the pressure on, on it. I find it really fun and exciting because it's different each and every time. It's a different context. I do find the more I do it, the, the better it comes across in a sense of timing yeah. and delivery and, and my words. Um, but, uh, you know, the rest, I, try, I, I think, as, as I said, you, you plant the seed, you know, and let Holy Spirit do the rest. Okay, last question. For me, there are, there are moments where I tell someone about Jesus and I just have joy. There are other moments where I sweat. Uh, how, is it, how do you feel after you've told someone about Christ? Uh, again, I haven't put a performance target on myself. I, I, I'm not performance driven. So it, even when I've come out of a feeling it hasn't, didn't go as well as I'd planned or hoped, I'm, I'm okay with it. Honestly, I don't, I don't feel, oh, I failed there. Um, I, I, I would have failed if I hadn't planted the seed. And I planted the seed. And I often get opportunity to, to, to help water it in a week or two's time. Sometimes I never get the opportunity. But no, I, I, I'm never afterwards, oh, I, that, that went badly and I need to 
redeem it somehow, you know. I'll have an opportunity to redeem again. Um, I think for me it's fun. It's, it's really, it's food for my soul. You know, it's really soul food. Um, and I made a note, and it's just too good, hopefully, to, to not, for me to not read it to you. Because as, as, as people, we all love a story. We love telling stories, and we love hearing stories. Um, and especially one that's full of adventure and redemption, companionship and miracles, and most of all, and even the macho guys might not admit this, we all really love a love story. And here we get to tell others about the greatest story ever told with an ending that's beyond what we can ever imagine. Um, and we're part of that story. And we get to invite others into, into that story. And they get to do the same as well. So yeah, it's, it's food for myself. Brilliant. Wasn't that beautiful? The greatest love story ever told. I want to go from that evangelist to another one, a little more effective one, John. And uh, he wrote the book of John, and lots of people misunderstand why the disciples wrote the Gospels. John wrote the Gospel, and, and he explains why he wrote the Gospel. He says this in John chapter 20, he says, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That word, believe and believing, it's a present continuous term. What, what it means is he wants people who don't believe in Jesus to believe in Jesus and people who do believe to keep on believing. And the reason he says, I want you to keep on believing, is because Christians were facing the most dark time in history. There was a, a dude. His name was Domitian. He was a Caesar at the time. And uh, he all Caesars had emperor worship, but this dude took it to a whole nother level. In fact, he made his wife call him my Lord and my God, which just makes you love the guy from the start. But Domitian, here's a picture of Domitian. Domitian went everywhere telling people, not a very handsome guy, but he went everywhere telling people to worship him as my Lord and my God. In fact, he made uh, statues wherever he went. In every capital city, he had statues. In, in the city of Ephesus, Ephesus is fascinating, because Ephesus was like a, a trade center between east and west. It was the place everyone went to to get dye from this place and food from that place. They would go to Ephesus. And, and so at the harbor of Ephesus, you can imagine if you were coming into Durban, at the harbor, he had on the top of, imagine the bluff, he had this 27-foot statue of himself, just to let you know that he was in charge. He made everybody tell or speak out or declare, he is my God and my Lord. This is Domitian. Now, Domitian was, was fascinating because Domitian, in, in this place, this marketplace in Ephesus called the Agora, was where everybody went to trade. He decided that he would put his statue and a statue of his wife on top of a temple which had statues of all the other gods, Zeus, etc. What he was saying was, I am the Lord of lords, the God above gods. He, he put this statue there, and then what he did is he made everybody who wanted to trade in Ephesus come to the statue, the monument of himself, and bow down and declare, you are my Lord and my God. And when they did that, they would get this ink stain on their hands. 
Now, Jews and Christians in that day, they didn't really believe in other people calling themselves gods. And so what they would do is whenever they found a person who declared himself to be a god, they called him a beast. A beast. Inkstain. Beast. You ever heard of the mark of the beast? This is Domitian. Domitian is the dude who is going from place to place, making everybody worship. And if you don't worship him, chop off their heads, crucify them, kill them. He is killing people en masse. If you're a Christian living in the days of Domitian, you're feeling such immense pressure to bow down. In fact, you're feeling so much pressure because your business will get shut down if you don't bow down. You can't trade if you don't bow down. If, if you don't bow down and Domitian is around, you're going to be killed. And many, many Christians would have lost loved ones. They would have, they would have lost family members. They, they would have been in deep darkness and pain. Some of you right now are in deep darkness and pain. And so John writes this letter to minister to you. And he starts John chapter 1 with, the, with this verse. Let's go to John 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Now, I want you to imagine, you're Domitian, and uh, sorry, you're a Christian living in Domitian's time, and it looks to you like the darkness is winning. And you go to church one Saturday or Sunday, whatever they did, and you would go to church, and you heard these words come out of someone's mouth, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will never extinguish it. Domitian, you will never, your darkness is never going to extinguish the light that comes from God. When you started hearing that, you've got to understand why the Bible was an illegal book. When you started hearing that, your spirit would have started to stir inside of you, and you would have thought about those words that everything that was made was made through him, and there was nothing that was made that wasn't made through him. Domitian, you think you're Lord of Lords, but I want to tell you there is a Lord above you who rules over you, who everything was made through and for and by and will exist in. You must understand what began to happen in people's hearts as they started to hear those words is that faith started to rise. But the thing that's really interesting in here is that John uses a description of God. He says, in the beginning was the word. And you've got to ask the question, why does he use that? Because it's weird. When we hear, in the beginning was the word, we, we, we think of something that you hear. Or some of us, if you've been Christians for a while, you think of the Bible. But it's just weird. Now, nothing John did was weird. In fact, most of what he did was utterly genius. And uh, the reason he spoke about the word 
was that Greeks receiving this understood that the only way that you could bring the spiritual into the natural or into the material was through words. So they understood that from their background. And Jews understood the word in a very specific way. Most Christians, when they hear about Jesus being called the word, what they think about is Genesis 1. But I want to tell you that most Jews who were listening to these words didn't think about that. In fact, what they thought about was a person. And here's how I know it. In, in Genesis 12, I want to just read this to you. It says this, And behold, the word of the Lord, or Yahweh, came to him, came to Abram, saying, notice this, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, so this word is speaking, this person will not be your heir, but your own son will be your heir. And he brought him outside. Okay, let's just go back to Genesis 15.1, if you can go back a scripture. Going back. I'm going to read it from my notes. And these things, the word of the Lord, sorry, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. If the word of the Lord was something you hear, it wouldn't come in a vision because a vision is something you see. The word of the Lord was a person, not a voice. And so, when Jesus is having a fight with the Pharisees and they're arguing about Abraham, Jesus says to them in John 8:58, he says this. Abraham, I don't know if we've got it. John 8:58. It says, that's John 1, don't worry. It says, Abraham, your father rejoiced that he would see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Here's what he was saying. Abe, when he saw the word of the Lord, he was seeing me. And he rejoiced when he saw me. And you, Muppets, you're looking at me, and you can't recognize me. That's what he's saying in this verse. Now, there are about 23 occasions that Jesus comes as the word of the Lord to people. And they expected. In fact, in the time of Samuel, it says the word of the Lord was not common in those times because there were no visions. Here was the expectation. If I was going to interact with God, I was going to interact through a vision, and I was going to see a person who would speak to me the words of the Lord. Why on earth am I majoring on this? Why, why is this important? I'll tell you why. Because every time the world was in darkness, the word of the Lord came. When Abraham was in his darkness of barrenness, a man who'd put his life into the purposes of God, there's darkness around. There's darkness in Sarah's womb. The word of the Lord comes, and she has a child. You keep going. Samuel, he's in a time of the judges when there's just chaos all around. A man who's put his life into the purpose of God, and life comes in to Samuel and affects all of Israel. We keep going through. You get to people like Elijah. Elijah comes in a time that is messed up. And there is Ahab, who's probably almost as evil as Domitian. He's running Israel. And Elijah comes and he prays, and it says the word of the Lord came and stopped the rain. And then he prayed again, and the word of the Lord came and started the rain. Elijah moves the whole of Israel because the word of the Lord comes. We go to Isaiah, and he goes to Hezekiah and brings healing by the word of the Lord. 
We, we get to Jeremiah, who meets with the word of the Lord Jesus, and life comes into the situation of Israel when they go into their darkest moment, into Babylon. The words of Jeremiah keep them alive. Now, I want to minister to you for a moment. Because there are so many people right now who feel like darkness has enveloped you. And I want to say this. If you know the word of the Lord, you can get out. Here's how I know this. Because the same word of the Lord who said, let there be light in the darkness and brought order out of chaos can look into your mess and if you invite him into your heart can say, let there be light in your situation and order will come out of the chaos. The same word of the Lord who said, let the waters cover the sea. He can speak to your storm and stop it and to, to your sea and part it. The same word of the Lord who, who said, let the earth produce plants that produce after their own kind, that same word of the Lord has the power to sow through Isaac or through your business into a famine and produce a hundredfold. The word of the Lord is unstoppable. He is all-powerful. You cannot extinguish him. He is able to bring light and life into any darkness, chaos, disorder, desert that currently exists in your world. But if you want the word of the Lord to change your life, you have to put your life into his purposes. Which is why John carries on. And he, I think this is verse 6. He says this. Uh, no, go to 1 John. There we go. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Just hold that up. Go back. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light. What's so interesting about this verse is when John's writing about John the Baptist, John says he was simply a messenger. But when Jesus is speaking about John the Baptist, Jesus says he was the greatest man who'd ever lived up until that time. You've got to ask, simply a messenger, greatest man who's ever lived. What's going on? John was describing what John the Baptist did. And Jesus was describing how God felt about it. You want to know how God feels about a person who makes their life about telling others about Jesus? Here's how God feels about it. The greatest man who ever lived. He was most clearly painting a picture of Jesus. He was telling a story, the greatest love story ever told. He was saying to people, look at Jesus. And God goes, you're the best. You want to know the purpose for your life? Your life is about telling a story, but it's not your story. It's not about your family. It's not about your career. It's not about the cars you drive. And this is going to be really hard. It's not about your pain or the hurt you're feeling right now. And I understand because I've lived in worlds of pain. I understand what pain feels like. But if you want to 
the word of the Lord to come over your life, you have to make your life. You have to seek his kingdom. You have to put your life into his purposes. And when you start to put your life into his purposes, everything, remember, everything was made through him, for him, by him. Everything, all these things will be added unto you. John ends the text. And it says, he came into the very world. Jesus came into the very world he created. But the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. There are only really two questions. Are you a child of God? And are you seeking first his kingdom? These, these are the only two questions that really matter because if you are a child of God, you've been born again because you've asked Jesus to be your Lord of Lords, to be the one who provides even though Domitian says you can't trade. If you've chosen Jesus to be the Lord of Lords over every other circumstance and everything else, then you have to know this. The word of the Lord is coming for you. He is on your side. He is breathing life upon you. And the word says that his eyes are searching to and fro to find someone whose heart is his. And this year, this year, if you will make your life about telling his story, you will find the power of our God becomes personal. And at the end of this year, I believe that you might be able to say, despite COVID and recession and everything that's going to get thrown at you, despite online learning, which is from the pit of hell itself, from all of this stuff, despite all of that, I believe you might be able to say that this was the best year of my life. So my prayer for you is that right now, wherever you are, You'll just get on your knees and go. If you've never asked Jesus into your life, you'll say, Lord, will you make me a child of God? I don't want to be a good person. I want to be a new person. I want to be born again. Will you pray that prayer if you've never asked Jesus into your life? And if you're a Christian, will you go, God, this year, I'm going to take all my plans. I'm going to put them into your purposes. And maybe right now, God might be speaking to you. There's someone you should invite to Alpha. Maybe right now, there's someone God's putting into your heart. Why don't you just take a step right now and speak to someone about me? Maybe God is shifting you right now. But here's what I would say to you. Just throw everything you've got into the purposes of God and let him take care of everything. May God bless you. Have a fantastic Sunday. God Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like to find out more information about Olive Tree Church, please visit our website at otc.org.za or email info at otc.org.za. We hope you have an amazing week.